Well, well, stop is and basket cases. Get out the fine china, chill the lemonade, and tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree because make it stop and Ryder's Bagel Basket are talking about Con Air. Cue the love music. Wait, Leanne Rhymes is the theme to this movie? Ugh. <sighs> Con Air is in the basket, the writer's bagel basket. You owe me 15 grand, pal. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kerland, and finally... It only took two years. Make it stop is finally on the podcast. I I was gonna wait to tell you this story until we were on the air. So originally, Mike and Heather, if you wanna say hi. 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 Hello. Were you were supposed to be on in November for Empire Records, but life got in the way and you couldn't do it. And my wife had to fill in on that one and she has not forgiven you too. She hated that. Not as much as she hated having to watch this multiple times. <laughs> because originally, Con Air, I had a failed podcast that never took off, and I made her watch Con Air for that first one, and we never did the podcast. <gasps> wow. And she did not like the movie. <laughs> and she then didn't, I had to. She didn't like Empire Records? She, she didn't, didn't like Con Air. Both, yes. Oh, yes, and ooh, I spicy guess. take. Spicy I can't take blame her for Empire Records. Uh, agreed. That, that movie does not hold up. Um, Con Air, though, like, come on, man, it's got <laughs> I, everything. This movie has everything. It it doesn't really have any strong female protagonists, but it has everything else. It has everything else, and I uh, will. G- I will say, like, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test is what I'll say. That's my big critique. But honestly, it's not even a big critique. I'm an asshole. I yell about shit that I hate all the time. And I think I, like, wept at the end of that movie. I was like, this is a perfect movie. What, I believe in America again. Wouldn't you love for <laughs> Nicolas Cage's wife and the woman who works with John Cusack to be talking about Aviatrix? Like, how did, <laughs> they just cut to a scene and she's like, oh, so how long have you had your license in flying helicopters? <laughs> Yeah, at the very end of the movie, um, they're talking to each other, but they're like not mic'd up. And in my head, canon that that scene of them talking, like if you turn the audio up, that's where the movie passes the Bechdel test. Okay, as long it's silent, but <laughs> yeah, all you got to do is add some, you know, nuts and some craisins into your uh, chicken salad, and that's my mama's <laughs> chicken salad. <laughs> <laughs> That is what they would be talking about. So, um, so it, Heather and Mike, do you want to do the blockbuster rule? You're in a blockbuster video, and the back of Con Air says what in a paragraph? Um, you can make it up. Lil's makes it up all the time. 
yeah, as sarcastic I, or snarky as you want. I, I mean, uh, sex, sexy dirt bag, fucking greasy chest hair, <laughs> Alabaman dreamboat, you know, airplane, <laughs> f- former pilot soldier, uh, you know, sacrifices and, and defends his lady. It gets wrongfully sent to, uh, you know, become a protagonist in a really fucking awesome movie. The end. <laughs> I, don't um, I don't know. Nicholas Cage plays uh, Poe Dameron in, a, <laughs> uh, in the tale of a man uh, who kills the only Alabaman who hates the troops. Uh, and then is sent to the only judge who hates the troops and then has to uh, uh, go on an airplane and uh, and convince a bunch of criminals that he's cool. And then he does uh, even cooler things when they find out that he's not cool in the way they thought he was. <laughs> I just imagine him like there's he's like I'm cool and there's like a jukebox and he hits it. Dude, it's that's the entire movie is is fucking Nicolas Cage, perfect Nicolas Cage, perfectly timed, perfectly witty Nicolas Cage one-liners that and like the entire premise of this movie just hinges exclusively on the ridiculous charisma of Nicolas Cage um, in this movie and in general. You know what I mean? In his character and and in general, like. So how- I- yeah, go ahead. I have a correction in in the Face Off episode in the last episode. I said that this came out the same day as Face Off. This came out first, and then a week later, Face Off came out. What a time to be alive! Nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, that so, was a good year. Good, yeah. good MTV Video Music Awards that year. Yeah. So three <laughs> weeks before that, Fifth Element came out. Then Con Air. Then Face Off. Than Georgia the Jungle. <laughs> Ooh, underrated, actually, honestly. Underrated. Yeah, it, yeah, we did that last year for when we did Brendan Fraser for Stars and Stars and Gripes. Um, and then Ten Summer, you had Men in Black. Yeah, it was a, it was a wonderful time to be ten years old. Um, yes. I specifically remember uh, renting Con Air for a sleepover when I was ten. Yep. Uh, and then immediately after seeing Con Air, deciding that Con Air was my favorite movie. Um, <laughs> this and- was. Well, I was 31 when I saw Con Air for the first time last night, and it's my favorite <laughs> movie now, too. I, I, yeah, I. There are so many great lines. <laughs> it's all great lines, and, and, and the most stacked fucking cast ever. It's just, it's like a fucking clown car of, of charismatic frontmen. You know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. It's so good. Everybody plays their role perfectly. And it's, and there's really interesting, like, I, you know, we'll get into like all the subtext of like very like strangely progressive for the content of what it's, you know, putting out there. So just pleasant surprises all around. You don't like, usually you rewatch something from 90, 1997 or you watch it for the first time. You're, you're on edge. You're ready to, uh, 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 is it transphobic? Is it racist? Is it sexist? Is it, all, you know, homophobic? All these things. The pr- answer is probably yes. And in this case, you know, uh, there are some things that maybe you could tweak, but in general, representation is pretty fucking solid and, and progressive and interesting in that way. 
Um, yeah, there's a trans character in this movie, and as soon as like she appeared, I was like, oh, here we go. And then it turned out to be like the best trans representation of the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was Renoli Santiago who played Sally Can't Dance. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the yeah. character's name, Sally Can't Dance. Yeah, we saw the character names at the end, and we were like, oh, this is fun. Um, yeah, all those character names that pop up over the credits because they never appear in dialogue, like... <laughs> All these unnamed characters who you find out are named like uh, B B Jordan or something like that. <laughs> Rectown. Yeah, Rectown. <laughs> was that okay? So in the scene, because we we skip all over. Was that Kevin Nash who was the guy who was like, "What's that? That's a rock." I don't know. Um, I saw that guy, and I thought, no, oh, maybe, maybe I'm thinking of a different guy. There was a background character who I didn't see Kevin Nash, but I did see a guy who I thought might have been, um, um, oh shit, who's the hardcore wrestler guy who used to uh, work in Japan with Mick Foley, um, who has retired like 50 times, and he had a big mustache, and he was in, um, he was in Beyond the Ring. Uh, fuck, what's? I know. I can't remember thinking- his name. God damn it. You know that guy. I thought it was that guy. I thought I saw him in the background. You saw Kevin Nash, though, Super Shredder himself? Yeah, I saw, like, a guy with blonde hair, like, long blonde hair at the time, like, when Kevin Nash had the, the mane. And I thought it was him. When uh, when Malkovich is going, okay, so this is how we're going to take out uh, all of these cop cars. This soda can is this car. This soda can is this car. And I thought it was Kevin Nash. I thought he goes, and what's that? that's a rock what's this rock supposed to be i didn't catch that but uh i wouldn't be surprised i mean i think this is pre um scorpion king yeah so this you know i think those were the types of roles that the wrestlers could go for at this time was like guy random one line and looks big does anyone want to list off what actors are in this film oh boy yeah, I mean, we so we play the game a lot. I was saying yesterday, like we play actor, movie, actor. I don't, do you play that game? Yeah. Yeah, I bet you do, right? And it's, yep. yeah, you say the actor <laughs> and then you have to say the, like you go around a circle, the next person says a movie that that actor's in and then you have to name another actor, a different actor that's in the movie that they just named and you keep going around and around. This is the fucking trump card. Like this is the ultimate fucking movie. You could win every game of actor, movie, actor. Just, well, I, I guess you can't repeat the same movie, but like, Every actor is in this movie. Every actor, yeah. no. <laughs> and so we. Oh, sorry, go, ahead. go, Mike. Go, Mike. I was just gonna list them off. Yeah, let's go. go. I was gonna say you got Nick Cage, absolutely. Of course, the God, uh, the one true God. You've got um, John Malkovich, Primo Malkovich in this movie. Really excellent Malkovich, Prime Malkovich. Uh, you've got Steve Buscemi, Ving Rhames, the, the guy Cuse. that plays. The guy that plays Bubba in uh, in Forrest Michael, Gump. Michael T. Williamson. Michael T. Williamson. Uh, you've got... Um, the Cuse. The Cuse. The Cuse. The unrecusable Cuse. Which he hated this movie. <laughs> I, I can't believe that. He, he walked out of an interview. He walked out of an interview when they asked him about Con Air. Do you know what movie he was promoting? Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what he a, was an identity. That's a million times worse than this movie. I love identity. You like identity? Uh, I do. Fah. Not a fan. 
Yeah, uh, that's obnoxious. That's fucking sucks. John Cusack, come on, dude. You can, you can. But... He's gotten better about movies that he was ashamed of. Like, why would really... you be ashamed of this movie? This is a classic fucking film. It's because so when good. this came out, it tanked. Did it? No, no, it didn't. It made back five times its budget. Five times, four, four times its budget. Really? I thought yeah. on video it did, but not in theaters. Oh, maybe it was a, a video play. It was, I just yeah. know that I, I looked it up and I saw the budget was like seventy-five million, and then it made like two hundred twenty something million. It was huge in China, Japan, and Australia. Australia, of all places. What? That's so- well. I mean, they're a penal colony, so it makes sense. They they feel right at home watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I, that makes no sense to me. I feel like this is like cl- this is like classic American cinema. Like it, it to me. I don't know. I and I didn't see it because, as I was saying uh, to Mike yesterday and confessing, I basically didn't see movies like for most of my childhood because I was like basically blind like I couldn't (laughs) see and I was like embarrassed about the idea of like having to get glasses so I would just like like somehow I managed to evade getting glasses and was just (laughs) basically blind for like until like maybe my freshman year of high school when I decided that I was like fucking sick of like not seeing and maybe could like get deal with myself um and I never watched movies. Like I didn't. I didn't see like any of these classic '90s movies that y'all, you know, grew up with. Well, Heather, I I, I believe that if you went into the theater blind and saw Con Air, when you left, you'd be able to see. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I see now. Let me tell you, we watched it in the backyard of my of my uh, in my patio last night with the projector screen. It was it was very nice. It was a great well, way to experience it. This isn't a background of an American flag, if you look. (laughs) (laughs) That's my boy. That's my guy. This movie is just so good because you also have Dave Chappelle. You have Danny Trejo. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at the end of the movie, one of the the cops who finds the Ken doll, I think that was Aaron Sorkin. (laughs) What? Yeah, it looked like Aaron Sorkin. That wow. might that might be one of those weird things, like how um, the guy who played the sketchy journalist in the season five of The Wire went on to direct The Cobbler. Oh, uh, Tom McCarthy. Tom McCarthy. No, have you watched The Cobbler, Scott? Yes, but he also directed the same year he directed. It's so fucked up. We gotta give a quick shout out. Our friends did a a podcast just about The Cobbler called The Cobbcast. <laughs> And it's so fucked. It's just, yeah. it's the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. Well, the they, fucked up thing about, about the, the cobbler, cobbler for... is the same year that that came out. He also directed, that guy also directed Spotlight and won the Oscar. I know. I know. <laughs> it's the, wild. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's, it's wild. Uh, he also oh, wrote yeah, up. I mean, yeah, he's actually, he's pretty, like, he's got a good pedigree other than the cobbler, which is, somehow the worst adam sandler movie like against all odds like the worst one guy who wasn't in this movie adam sandler i guess (laughs) yeah but you do have cole cole meany cole meany is so weird who uh from star trek deep space nine and he was in the commitments and uh did you see get him to the greek yes he played russell brand's dad in that yeah He's been a bunch of shit. He was in um, like Gangs New York too, right? 
Yes. Or, yeah. No, that was John C. Riley. No, I'm not thinking of John C. Riley's character. No, I'm mixing him up with the guy who, uh, the other Irish guy. Liam Neeson. Like, no, no, the fat <laughs> Irish guy. Um, oh, Jim Broadbent. Yep. Yep. Is he Irish? He always plays Irish guys. Uh he's British. Okay. But yeah, so also Monica Potter is in this movie. Who's Monica Potter? She she was in like all these Freddie Prince Jr. movies. She was also in Patch Adams. She people always got her confused with Sarah Paulson and Lauren Hawley back in the nineties. Like all three of them are interchangeable. Was yeah, she so, the guard or was she the short hair? No, she's FBI the lady wife. Who never she she oh, was she's the wife. Yeah, she's the wife. she was uh, hummingbird. Hummingbird. By the way, those three characters I just mentioned—only uh, three female characters in the entire movie, other than the little girl who, like, you think that Sibushemi is gonna uh, like. Oh well, there's also Casey Poe. Casey Poe. I thought I thought uh, we had mentioned her, but yeah, there's Casey Poe. There's a short-haired FBI lady who barely speaks, but there's looks not, important. Looks very important. But there's ba- Rachel Ticotin. Very irrelevant. Yeah, Rachel Ticotin, who I was like, that looks familiar. But it Total was really Recall. Too- oh, okay. She's, so she's, she's Total Recall. Okay. And, and also, Law and Order like, LA. Yeah. Also, so- why isn't Schwarzenegger in this movie? Like, Yeah. Schwarzenegger, uh, Stallone, Willis. I don't know because they're in an American. In this movie, you know? There's also they're in an American prison, right? Like I don't know. I mean, I guess you could have a German guy. This is the this, movie. This movie's already packed to the gills. If you throw a, a Schwarzenegger in there, it's just going to explode. See, Schwarzenegger would have probably been like Cyrus the Virus if he was in this, like, because they would be like, he's the bad guy now. It's like. I no. think Malkovich as Cyrus the Virus was the right move. I would prefer that over Schwarzenegger. Well, I read two other people who auditioned for Cyrus who really wanted the role and didn't get it. Willem Dafoe. Whoa. All right, I, I can fuck with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Mickey Rourke was this close to getting it. I could he, fuck with that, too. That would have been great. He brought a sharpened b- Bowie knife into his audition and stabbed it between Simon West, the director's legs, like right next to his dick. <laughs> and and Simon West was like, that is amazing. I love that. I'm going to cast John Malkovich. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Malkovich, really, I think. Malkovich you know? and Ving Rhames together, they're amazing together. Yeah. And I would have never put those two actors together in a movie. It's like, a, it was a great call. I think Malkovich does does really well playing like campy, corny roles. Like he 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 really takes them like to the next level. Like Teddy KGB in Rounders is why is it every time I hang out with you we talk about Rounders? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Man is we money. Biggest man, his manny. Uh. Like that's a ridiculous character. All his lines are terrible, and like still, like Malkovich turns it into a classic performance. You know, he's the guy you get if you've written a bad script and you want to make it better. Yeah, he was worried that the movie was going to turn out bad because I guess every other day they were changing the the lines in the movie. That makes sense. Yeah, and Tim Roth almost played Steve Buscemi's role. So they knew they wanted a Tarantino uh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. A guy with weird teeth. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was a weird. I that's a whole weird part of the storyline. The 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 fucking Steve Buscemi and the little girl thing was a little much for me. My wife has a theory that that little girl is really dead, and when you see her waving at the end, she's a ghost. We were wondering if it was a hallucination. Yeah, because, like they're on this abandoned airbase, and this little girl's just like chilling having a tea party in like an abandoned pool full of trash. And it's like, what reality is this? I like to believe that her dad is that guy who was the pilot who almost crashed into the jailbird and was like, what the hell are you on? And starts running away. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's it. Yeah. Cause it seems like it's, I mean, it's, it's such a conceit and, and there's obviously so much like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say with this, but it's just, it's too surreal. It's too like out, out of left field. And the movie is obviously like absurd and ridiculous and over the top, but it still feels like a universe that's believable. So unless it's a hallucination, like it felt, I don't know, it just felt out of place. It was kind of weird. I love how Nicolas Cage is like this Superman. The movie opens up. Oh, another star studded cast in this movie. The narration of the movie is done by Powers Booth from Deadwood. <laughs> Oh, excellent. Yeah. Love Powers Booth. Yeah, so um, he does the narration at the beginning. I love how the judge, getting back to what you said about the judge not being supportive of like a man in the military. You have pleaded guilty to manslaughter in the first degree. With your military skills, you are a deadly weapon and are not subject to the same laws as other people that are provoked because you can respond with deadly force. It is the order of this court that you be remanded to a federal penitentiary where you shall remain incarcerated for a term not less than seven to ten years. Because the way the way he ends up having to go to jail is he kills a man defending his wife, which the guy had a knife. And the knife is on the ground when 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 they find his body so there's no way to deny that he was going to die he had to defend himself and it was wet it was raining so yeah he broke the guy's nose and jammed it into his brain yeah, yeah exactly the- with a palm strike like a warrior monk it was badass <laughs> it was very badass it was also completely justified like you know, you're fucking defending yourself from getting jumped by three or four people. And that's, you know, the setup for it is just, it's very, very over the top. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's making, it automatically makes him like this super sympathetic hero, like from the very beginning, like, you know, you just, and, and he's wronged by the justice system as a former soldier, which yeah. really, as Mike mentioned, does not happen. We In know. Alabama of all it, places. It, like right. literally it's a, it's a patently absurd inciting incident. Like literally yeah. there's this guy in a dive bar in Alabama going up to a soldier being like, I fucking hate fucking troops. Pussy. Well, he I was. I want to fuck your wife. I'm like, well, wasn't so it was like some under the breath bullshit about like Vietnam, like that it was it somehow was, his fault. Cowards for, like you are why we lost Vietnam. Like what? What? Like you, how did he draw that conclusion? This guy's like a decorated army ranger. It's like that. That that's like not easy to do. I think I, you know. I don't know too much about uh, you know, military designations, but like being a big big boy I mean, in they, uniform. The, the narrator <laughs> Powers Booth basically says they're the best of the best. Yeah. And also, then he's the reason that he goes to jail is he's like all right, his lawyer's like, oh, you should take this plea deal because I don't know if you could win if you go to trial. And he's like, all right, I'll take the plea deal. 
And the judge is like, nah, no plea deal. You're you're a killing machine. You're a killing machine. So we need to lock you up for seven to ten years. Is that that's there's no way that's a that's a no because a real legal no. thing. Also, if it went to trial, he probably would have been acquitted. <laughs> he would have been. The guy was coming at him with a knife. He had he three or four people, right? A, and those guys had chains. <laughs> yeah, those they guys, all they like, all had weapons. Yeah, also, and there was, was witnesses. The, there was witnesses. There were witnesses. And why, first of all, and, and what is this bar that's like across the street from an oil refinery? Well, the more important question is why does Nicolas Cage arrive in town on Steamboat Willie? <laughs> <laughs> he arrives on a tugboat. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Um, <laughs> he's got to be folksy. He's down home. He's relatable. You know, tie the yellow ribbon around the... So that's the other thing is that Nick Cage has a very debutante Southern male Blanche Devereaux fucking, like, accent. Like, he literally sounds like Blanche from the Golden Girls. Like, it's I so wish ridiculous. everyone sounded like a Golden Girl in this movie. Like... <laughs> well, I... Sicily, 1922. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot you in the face. All right, that's Cyrus the virus. <laughs> Cyr- um, Cyrus is more Betty White. Um, no, but- <laughs> no, don't be smirched. The good name. No, um, I, I still don't understand one thing in the trial. Why is Nicholas Cage's lawyer so sweaty? <laughs> this man- everyone is very moist it's a very moist movie they're dewy they're sweaty like nicholas cage is sweating the whole time on the on the plane they're sweating it's just a sweaty movie they're down <laughs> south it's you know it's alabama. Well, it's alabama. well the question is why was he <laughs> charged in alabama and then sent to prison in california was he i, thought I don't he think was he was in yeah alabama. And yeah. then they were being, well, oh, maybe you're. He it was doesn't sent make to any San sense. Quentin. Weird. He well, was because sent- he's such a dangerous criminal. He's a, he's a killing. No, but then they make the whole plot point that he's not a dangerous criminal. He's a nobody, you know, because he's the one stuck on the plane with all these real scary cons, you know, and that's so it doesn't even work then. Like, okay. I don't, this is why I don't want to talk about this. I want everything to be perfect and there not to be any possible plot holes. Cause no, I mean, there's definitely, I mean, it, it has its flaws in, in the way that like every classic action movie does. Where yeah. It's like, like how did his wife get is... pregnant? Like he was gone for three years. How did well, she do, get pregnant? <laughs> he makes a big show at the bar in the beginning of like, of uh like listening to her stomach and saying uh you're gonna be miss alabama your daddy's gonna be very proud yeah who's your daddy like (laughs) he was gone for three years in training yeah he basically he got home uh banged his wife the next day uh found out she was pregnant and then the day after that went to prison i think that's the that's the yeah that's how that's how pregnancy works uh His accent um, is really inconsistent. Yeah, like, it's it said in the research that I did that he went to Alabama to perfect his accent. That's all I got. It got awfully quiet. He just went to Alabama to perfect his accent. Like that's the whole story. I went to Alabama. <laughs> I and stood then, uh, there. <laughs> well, okay. I went to the Piggly Wiggly. The <laughs> since since, I went to the since this is. This entire month is all about Nicolas Cage. 
I did some research. Here's a quote from The Guardian on his acting style. In Cage's hands, cartoonish moments are imbued with real emotion, with real uh, where real emotion becomes a cartoon. Everything from individual scenes down to a single line of dialogue feels like he has embraced every opportunity as his own creation. Cage is usually interesting, even when the film is not. He is. When ra- is this movie not interesting? It's a movie <laughs> about the fucking most badass con, like fucking convicts. All like hijacking a plane, like it's fucking badass. Every I, moment I, of it. I think they're referring the to. I think they're referring to all the scenes where Cusack is arguing with Calm Meaning. <laughs> That's true. I guess that is the weak it's point. A, I also yeah. feel like they underutilized Dave Chappelle. Yes. I think that's my my biggest criticism of the movie is that well, there's not enough Chappelle. I thought it was amazing how Chappelle is a main character for the first twenty minutes, and then they kill him. Off, they kill him off screen. He gets sucked underneath the tires. He's just too horny to live. I love how his pickup line is, "Aren't you the hottest thing I've seen since five to 10? <laughs> that yeah, there's there's some weird, like every, every every line of dialogue is is quippy in some way, and some of them really land, and some of them really don't. And I think that's one of the ones that is like they should have. They should have brought in a couple uh, punched-up guys for that one. So let's talk about the quippies, because I know you were taking notes last night, Mike Dunn, about all the quippies, and I just feel like this is a great moment to talk about like some of these one-liners, because they really are. And like you could totally criticize that. You could be like, you can't just build a movie out of slogans. Yes, or, you like, can. But you can! And they became instantly iconic. So <laughs> This is a blockbuster movie award winner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got a few, you know, when Danny Trejo, Danny Trejo plays like a, a mega rapist in the movie. He's like, oh, God. his name is Johnny 23. And guess what the 23 stands for? Yeah. Oh, that's Jen. Uh, <laughs> um, one of the quips I liked, though, is when uh, he's trying to do his thing to the guard lady who and Nicolas Cage is trying to stop him. And uh, Danny Trejo says, you know what I am. And uh, Nicholas Cage goes ugly, ugly all day. <laughs> that is exceptional. That is a beautiful, beautiful. I also uh, love. I love um, uh, Malkovich's lines after that. He's like, "Can you fly?" And he goes, "No." And he goes, "Well, if it comes out of your pants, you're flying off this plane." <laughs> yeah, I like. Um, where'd you put my daughter's picture? You shit eating peck ahead. <laughs> I. That's funny because one of my favorite lines towards that guard is, uh, my grandma lives in a trailer, or my mama lives in a trailer. <laughs> um, uh, shit, what was I going to say? Oh, you know who else is in this movie that we didn't mention? Uh, Tom from Lost, the, the, one of the head others, is the, the guy who they get to pilot the plane when they do the prison transfer. Oh, MC Ganey. Yeah. The one gay other from Lost. I love his line where he's like, yeah, we're not landing. It's crashing. And out of nowhere, he pulls out a army helmet. Where did he get that? (laughs) Right. There's all this shit that you find out later. Like, this is supposed to be a plane where, like, the guards don't carry weapons. You know, it's like they, everything is just in the service of getting these prisoners from point A to point B as, like, safely as possible without incident. And then once they get all the guards off the plane and complete the hijack, and you find out there's army helmets, there's a Leonard Skinner CD, 
uh, like, uh, and, and there's like a trailer full of like mach- machine guns that they can use to gun down, well, gun we knew down about, the army. We knew we knew about the machine guns because he said. Cusack says there is a pistol in the lockbox and a small arsenal under the belly of the plane. Seems like an oversight to me. You know, Cusack talks a lot about how great his plane is, but <laughs> seems a little too hijackable to me. Cusack was the first choice, but if they couldn't get him, they were going to go with Rob Lowe, Charlie Sheen, or Emilio Estevez, the Mighty Ducks guy. Oh, hell yeah. Imagine um, if it was Emilio Estevez and halfway through the movie it turns into Charlie Sheen and you don't even you can't even tell. <laughs> same guy. I mean it, it's, at one point they were the same. I mean they're related, right? Steve Buscemi's character who's like a Garling well, Green, the Marietta Mangler is his Garland character. Green, he's got a he's got a Dylan Roof haircut. He's really going he's pulling off the Dylan Roof look. He looks uh, exactly like his character from Billy Madison. I feel like he just left the set of Billy Madison. <laughs> dude, what if those movies exist in the same universe? That would be what amazing. If it's the same guy. Because he but had a he... list. There's 32 <laughs> people on that list? Yep. Uh, and anyway, uh, but, um, uh, Michael T. Williamson uh, turns to Nicolas Cage and says, What's wrong with him? And Nicolas Cage goes, My first thought would be. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I okay. So there's Very a one liner that there's one line that I would love to be in that movie uh, when he's freaking out when Nicolas Cage is freaking out after he kills uh, Billy Bedlam. What if I told you insane was working fifty hours a week in some office for fifty years at the end of which they tell you to piss off, ending up in some retirement village hoping to die before suffering the indignity of trying to make it to the toilet on time. Wouldn't you consider that to be insane? Murdering 30 people, semantics or not, is insane. One girl, I drove through three states wearing her head as a hat. It's my daughter's birthday today. And uh, he goes, can you just not, Garland? It's my daughter's birthday. I just wanted, very politely, Steve Buscemi to turn to him and go, oh, happy birthday. (laughs) <laughs> like, that would be just, good, and I think it would have been on brand for uh for that character because Cyrus is like they paint him as this like criminal mastermind and and ruthless criminal and like you know he is but he's also like very pragmatic like very... I was talking about Garland I was talking about uh, Steve Buscemi uh, oh I'm sorry oh yeah oh shit yeah that would have been funny yeah I, I would want Steve Buscemi because he's very calm and very nice in this movie and it's so weird yeah, well, he ends up uh, shooting craps, drinking Mai Tais at the very end. That's the big, uh, big twist. I love that. I love that for him. And it's, I it's love fun. his journey. That's it's what called if, a story arc. What if this was his his chance of redemption, and he's like, That's you know his, what? I gotta stop wearing people's heads at sats. Time to go to the casino. Good for him. Oh yeah, Live your so, truth. I don't have a, a killing problem. I have a gambling problem. <laughs> Such a goofy, like, 10-year-old's, like, idea of what, like, badass criminals are. It's, like, a serial killer who wears people's heads as a hat while he drives. <laughs> or, like, or, or, or no, wait, here, here's my favorite one. Uh, I gotta find it in my notes. Oh, here we go, yeah. Francis, Francisco Sandino, who's, like, their employer, the guy with the braided ponytail. Uh, they're talking about him, and they're, like, 
they say that he firebombed a senator's yacht with both of his own cousins on board. Like that is that that's is, not a thing. <laughs> that's not a thing. That's not what that's not what crime is. It's no. not like these people, the characters in this movie are all super villains. Except for Ving Rames, who like honestly has did nothing wrong. Yeah, Ving, what's up with Ving Rames? Why is Ving Rames there? He's a black gorilla. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. That's what they call his uh like um Radical, militant group militant group mm-hmm. um, i wonder what they're referring to <laughs> yeah. well so that's so that was an interesting thread that i want to pick up i, I guess here is the tr- as is race in this movie it was it was pretty interesting um that there was like a pretty intentional like storyline of like of white solidarity with like black people that was like you know because you have nicholas cage and his uh his best friend mike baby Right. Yeah. Baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and he repeatedly like risks his own life, um, to try to, you know, save his friend. Um, and, but does he Heather, because he feeds him snowballs and that man is a diabetic. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Did not pick up on that. Good point. Um, yeah. And so I, I mean, I thought that that was interesting. I thought, um, there's other points I had, but then if I think about it now, like if you, so if you realize like even the, like the white, uh, cons are like the ones that get to be like the brainy, like, you know, messed up like serial killers or whatever. And like the black, the black guy is literally just a, a supposedly a black Panther, which we know actually wasn't a violent. Well, also group. it said, <laughs> it also says for his character that he staged a coup and murdered 45 people. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well. Where did he stage that didn't a coup? happen. In America? Yeah, what? What are you in talking about? At the White House? But, and Danny Trejo, you know, the Latino characters, uh, horrific rapist. I guess they're all supposed to be, supposed to be horrific people, but the ones that you end up weirdly empathizing with is, uh, you know, um, like Cyrus the Virus, or like, you, you kind of have that, like, level of, like, empathy or something, or maybe not empathy, but, like, oh, that's kind of... I don't, I don't know. Well, that's I don't know where thing. I'm getting at with that. That's the thing is that they they give they give even like the villain criminals because like everyone in this movie is a criminal, but some of them are heroes and some of them are villains. Even the villain criminals like Cyrus the Virus has a moral code. Right. Like he detests rapists. Yes. Uh, he thinks that they're, you know, somewhere between a cockroach and the, the white stuff. White that stuff that foams when you're thirsty. Uh, um, and... Um, Billy Billy Bedlam's whole thing is you can't be a liar because <laughs> he yeah. really hates the fact that Cameron Poe lied to them. <laughs> He's like, yep. you lied to me. Well, so both of those guys are the white characters too. Like that's yeah. an interesting thing, right? The like moral code, like who has the moral code oh. in the story. But I mean, also like, um, you know, Mike, uh, baby, uh, baby, Micah, baby. Oh, definitely. Baby and Cam- is, is a moral character. But um, he's not really, he's not a major con. He's like a, he's just a regular guy with. No, his- he has an extra 15 years on his sentence. So I'm wondering if his character is exactly like the character from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Tim Meadows character, where you think he's just some nice guy who's wrongfully accused, but then you find out that he like eats the faces of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that is Could like be that. my favorite character on Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's, it's so funny every time he tries to to bite uh, Andy Samberg. Jake, yeah. <laughs> but but what if what if you find out that that like 
Michael T. Williams' character was like this mastermind the entire time. I mean, clearly, I mean, for him to be locked up that long, he probably did something pretty bad. They don't ever really specify, do they? He honestly, if he doesn't get a full pardon for helping save the lives of of um, uh, Sally Bishop, uh, God Bishop, and uh, Nick Cage, like, there's something wrong. Well, I think what's interesting too. So, like another point that I was, you know, thinking about a lot in the movie is that like all of the characters are pretty complex, and there's a lot of like subverting stereotype. Like there's a lot of like playing against type, right? Or like being thought, like aware that you're being stereotyped, and then like intentionally subverting that. Like in the characters, like obviously Cameron Poe, like plays yeehaw, off like being hillbilly. the dumb, yeah, the being the yeehaw hillbilly. Um, you know, and then you have the Bing Rames talking about like, yeehaw! So on your mind, hillbilly? What was I thinking about? Oh yeah, yeehaw, that's right. I was just wondering what a black militant, uh, that would be you, was doing taking orders from a white boy on a power trip. Don't you think that's strange? It's a means to an end, my white friend. A means to an end. Uh, and then there's this trans character, Sally Can't Dance. Yeah. Um, who, you know, you see, um, she, I, I assume she's supposed to be like a trans woman. Uh, yes. Gets off the plane uh, and like goes to like an abandoned house and puts a dress on and you're like, oh boy, here we go. But then... They're clapping. They're clapping. They're all giving her support. She's dancing. She's like uh, exotic dancing on the plane and they're all loving it. Um, and then yeah, there's no like, transphobia at all. It's yeah. a little bit over sexualizing her as a trans person, but she's also doing it. I don't know. I mean, she was written that way, but like it's still pretty fucking progressive. And then they give, you know, they give her the gun right away. Like, yeah, it's, it's I was just accepted. about to say that. Yeah, like, armed trans people. Yeah, and and Malkovich is like, <laughs> go get him, and puts it into her bra, and then slaps her on the butt. That's yeah. Little, he, it's yeah. A, but that's just regular Wait, sexism. It, <laughs> They're just right. treating her like a woman. Yeah. So, like even is Cyrus so woke? To... <laughs> yeah. Is that what progressivism is? I, I mean, no. But it. But for 1997, it was. It yeah. It was. It was really shocking and and showed how smart the movie was. Um, how well written it was. You know what I mean? And 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 it made the characters and the story. You know, less. You know. It, it's easy to be like, oh, it's all one-liners, it's all blah, 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 blah. But it's like, no, the characters are complex and interesting and there's actually like dynamics here and the way that it's written is like very intentional. Like, I don't know. It was, it um, was cool. There is one thing that bugged me this entire movie and that's the fact that little Casey Poe is dressed like a minion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wrong. I did wrong. not notice that. I, I didn't <laughs> notice that, but I had a She's, problem with Casey Poe, but not the minion dressing. It's she's gonna end up in therapy. <laughs> well, for me, if you have a loving, supportive father who's incarcerated, like yes, it is traumatic to go to a prison, but it's also traumatic to grow up, you know, never ever talking to your father besides through these letters. You know, that's fucked up. It would have been better to take your the daughter to the prison so that she can get to know her father, like as like I don't right. know. That's not good child well, rearing, in my opinion. They but. fixed that with a line of dialogue where he's like, "Well, I don't want her to come see, see me." me. Like this. 
Yeah, but fuck that. With with sex-starved convicts, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, really? That was the end of that scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had a very Uh, dark line. It got very dark and very real, and guard Sally Bishop was like, oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I don't know. that And... But and then obviously his you know the big climax at the end with the with the bunny and it's like <laughs> literally covered. We haven't even talked about the bunny yet. I know we Holy haven't even shit. talked about the bunny. Go ahead, talk about the bunny. But then, but anyway, if I was a fucking seven year old and that was the first time I had ever met my father and he gave me a fucking like gasoline and blood soaked like <laughs> trash rabbit, I would fucking scream <laughs> and cr- like and cry and be scarred for life. I got a present for you, Casey. Oh, dirty. Casey, sweetie, you take your daddy's present now. No, 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 honey, it's okay. I got a picture. A picture of you. I got a picture of you, too. Don't do it. Leave the bunny. <laughs> what What if it got really dark and she goes, wait, this is the man you said killed my real father? <laughs> and then the movie just ends. <laughs> Plot twist. Would that be a better twist than uh, Buscemi with the... You know, I just realized, actually, Buscemi at the end of the movie is drinking a Mai Tai and playing craps. And there is a line that... Another one-liner that Nicolas Cage says earlier in the movie, which is... It's not exactly my ties and Yahtzee out here. Ah, <laughs> I wonder that's that's gonna be a callback, right? It, it has is. to be. Yeah, it has to be. Also, the letters at the sleepover that I was at. I've talked about this sleepover many times on this podcast because this was the sleepover where the kid who no one wanted there, who was invited, revealed that he had a crush on Augustus Gloop's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were all talking about the the actresses we had How crushes on. How old were you? Uh, eleven. Ooh. Yeah, this kid. We I've talked about this kid ad nauseum on this podcast. <laughs> this kid was a science experiment. His parents were like in their sixties. They were scientists. Oh. They were doing him as a research project. Oh, Anyways. No. We were going around. Augustus Gloop's mom? Yeah, we're like, I was like, yeah, I have a crush on Topanga and Jenny Lewis. <laughs> and Everyone had a crush on Topanga. Yeah. And it was like, I still oh. have a crush on Topanga. Yeah, Topanga, Sarah Michelle Gellar. And of he course. Goes, Augustus Gloop's fucking mom. And everyone, you hear like a record screech. <laughs> That fucking rules. That's so fucking crazy, dude. That's so and, nuts. Imagine being like having that level, like that lack of self awareness, that lack of self consciousness. What a what an intoxicating elixir of just confidence to be able to say that well, in a room. Well, he doubled down and he's like, because she looked hot in the later hosen. That's how you double down? No, I know exactly what she looks like, man. It's not like what an 11-year-old should be fantasizing about. And I'm like, like, hey, can we watch Con Air now? (laughs) Okay, all right. I'm looking at Augustus Gloop's mom, and I'm trying to see something there. I'm trying to see something there. Nope. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm sure she's a lovely lady and, you know. Yeah, that is an interesting thing to admit at a sleepover, for sure. Yeah. So I'm like, can we please watch the Nicolas Cage movie that we rented from the Blockbuster and your mom got popcorn? <laughs> um, this was supposed to be a special birthday. That was a special birthday. I'm sorry well, you had to invite that kid. He sounds like a freak show. Well, he's the, he's the kid who, when midnight would come along, he would be like, it's tomorrow now. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck you. Someone always has to say it. <laughs> but I, re- I remember that this was the movie, like, everyone lost their goddamn minds. I was like, you won't believe what we rented. We got Con Air and The Fifth Element. And it's like, this yeah. is a party. That's fucking sick. Yeah, I definitely watched this movie at multiple sleepovers. This was like the movie. Everyone was talking about it in in elementary school. And parents didn't mind kids watching this R-rated movie. Like, Well, it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, somehow parents, we all got away with it. Like, things were a little bit more lackadaisical with parenting in the 90s, I think, too. It was kind of like, don't Mom, die. why was Johnny 23 in prison? Uh, uh, uh. Mm. Uh, never <laughs> he mind. stole 23 apples from the <laughs> local Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly. I don't know why I keep wanting to say that. I feel like that's a southern thing, right? I don't well, know. I'll have you back on for Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't touch that one. That one's that one's that I actually would be interested in that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, I, I just remember. At the at the sleepover, me and one of my friends kept going back and forth as Cameron Poe and Casey writing the letters and going into greater detail. Like, dear daddy, Scotty Dalton came in and all of his teeth were gone. I told you that they were gross, but I had no idea that, you know, he would bite those rocks when I dared him to. Dear Casey, <laughs> you really shouldn't have done that. That is what we call a misdemeanor. <laughs> We did that all night long writing the the Casey Poe, Cameron Poe letters. Well, his daughter's letters are way too well written to actually be written by her. Yeah, yeah you they're know, very was, advanced. Yeah, the mom clearly was writing them. Yeah. I well, ex- except it was in little kid crayon to, to, you know, symbolize that it was from her. Well, she had to sell it. <laughs> I guess I, so. I still love that her birthday was on July 14th when this episode is going to premiere. Anyways. Bastille Day. Bastille Day, yes. She was born on the storming of the Bastille. (laughs) That was not an accident. I also love how it comes back, how everyone has to read that line. Uh, Poe reads it. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Baby O reads it. Malkovich reads it. My birthday's on July 14th. My daddy's coming home on July 14th. That's my Malkovich. (laughs) Pretty good Malkovich. Solid Malk. (laughs) The last thing Casey Poe will see is my rotting breath. (laughs) Yeah, that was... That was badass. That was such a badass scene. Oh my God, dude. The whole ending... That's one of the most badass things I've ever seen in a movie is in the climactic chase of the movie, Malkovich has um, climbed aboard, like he climbed on top of the ladder of a fire engine to make his escape from the scene of the plane. Unbelievable. Um, uh, uh, Nicolas Cage and John Doesn't even bother ducking down. Is like fully visible, like not hiding. He's like climbing the monkey bars up there. Yeah. Nicolas Cage and and Cusack uh, spot him and uh, immediately jump on, like just steal police 
motorcycles. See, that's uh, how you know John Malkovich. He fucks. Like. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and then Nicolas Cage um, drives up to the back of the ladder on the back of the... Drives his motorcycle up to the back of the ladder uh, on the back of the, the fire truck. Jumps from his moving motorcycle to this moving ladder on a fire truck. He causes a, uh, like, three-alarm fire. Yep. Like, that uh, explosion is ridiculous. Oh, I, I wish I counted the explosions in this movie, because there's so many. I did. There is 16, I think. Or that 14. seems low. That's a perfect, yeah, 4th of July, you know, fuck it. Just watch Con Air. Well, and I just... <laughs> That's basically what we're doing. I Just counted so, the the boneyard with the propane tanks as one giant explosion. So, so I just want to finish setting the scene here for the people who haven't seen the movie. Uh, Nicholas Cage then, um, you know, like monkey bars his way across the ladder um, over to where Malkovich is standing, and he has like um, a harpoon. Yes. Um, Mal- he takes the harpoon from Malkovich with one hand while still hanging from the monkey bars with the other hand uh, and then stabs it bre- or breaks it in half <laughs> one handed while hanging from a moving fire truck yep. and stabs it deeply into Malkovich's like Achilles tendon and, and it's and- just the most badass thing you'll ever fucking see in a movie well, I think I think Malkovich's death, where he dies like seven times, is just as badass because he gets handcuffed to said ladder. Then he goes through a catwalk, gets electrocuted, still alive, and then his face gets smashed by a rock crusher. Yes. Right. So here's what I understand: like with just that. like stamped out, like just flesh stamped. Boom. How does he go from Old Vegas Strip to Rock Crusher? Where is that Rock Crusher? Uh, like, you don't remember casino? Dean Martin's Rock Crusher? <laughs> it's a Rock Crusher Hotel right next to the Golden Nugget. Yeah, the Hard Rock <laughs> Crusher. Well, okay, so that Rock Crusher was there because the Sands Hotel at the time this movie was being made was being demolished. Oh, okay. So there you go. No yeah. flaws whatsoever in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, and the Hard Rock Cafe needed, or the Hard Rock Hotel needed a new sign. So uh, they're like, you can destroy ours and we'll just really? build a new one. Yeah. I, see, I assumed that was all a scale model. No, that was the real sign. No shit. <laughs> you know, Jerry Bruckheimer, he doesn't half ass anything. No. No, he is basically human cocaine at this point of his career. Like, he. 97 was Bruckheimer's year. Right. 96, 97, 98, because that was The Rock, then it was Con Air, and then uh, Armageddon. Yeah. He was on top of the world. Oh, he, yeah. So much cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy thing is, people didn't know this, but everyone knew that Nicolas Cage was going to play Superman. The reason why Malkovich did this movie is so that he could work with Nicolas Cage, because Malkovich was going to play Lex Luthor. Shame that never happened. It is such a shame. It would have been so bad, though, if you think about it. Like, remember what superhero movies were in the 90s? Like, Steel? It would have been <laughs> Steel, the Schumacher Batman movies. Rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Uh, like, The Shadow. The Blank Phantom. Man. 
the Phantom. Good Lord, Zan- <laughs> the Phantom with Billy Zane, with Billy Zane and Xander Drax. Treat Williams. Yeah, I did like Dark Man though. That's the Dark one Man. good superhero movie. Well, that's Sam Raimi. Yeah, but just imagine John Malkovich as a Cyrus the Virus style Lex Luthor. I still I don't have faith that that '90s Superman movie that never came out would have been any good because, as I recall, this was when they had made Superman like electric blue all over, like he yeah. had like a blue face, and they were going to do a that mullet. version of Superman. What? Yeah, there was like a period of like a year and a half or so where like something happened to Superman, and he got like he powers. He died, and then when he came back, he had a mullet, and then shortly after that, he was like a being of like blue energy and he had a blue face yeah but fighting malkovich <laughs> again that that True. movie was gonna end with him on the back of a fire engine too <laughs> not really i'm fucking with you <laughs> but, i but mean I, who knows They're, you know they they did they did what worked if, if something worked in one movie they would like snipe it in another studio and then release them both at the same time like we could have gotten two uh uh fire truck climax it's just like we got two volcano movies at the same time but would it two have asteroid hit- movies at the same time <laughs> it's no. not gonna hit as hard the second time you know what i mean like that shit is it, it's just absurd it's like i feel like the fast and the furious like they're you know their climaxes like just you know they Where their cars very- can fly yes and like onto airplanes, like I don't, yeah, it doesn't make or like get dragged, yeah. yeah. Where 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 two sports cars can drag a, a gigantic bank vault through all of Rio de Janeiro, like <laughs> without, and then like everything gets damaged except for the cars, like. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's this is yeah. I mean, this laid the groundwork for that. I mean, can we think of another like just totally I mean- absurd over the like? Let let's think about those action films with like just beyond ridiculous climax scenes. Well, okay, so in Eraser, Schwarzenegger actually did the stunt. He jumped out of an airplane without a parachute, tackles a guy, puts the parachute on. He literally did that. Yeah. Fuck! Uh, The the only person who still does that is Tom Cruise for the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. (laughs) Then uh, he's broken every bone in his body. Yeah. But But for For the most part, I'd say they don't really make movies like this anymore. No, they don't. Also, there's the scene we haven't even talked about. Dave Chappelle falls out of the sky and destroys a Volvo. Yeah, w- driven by Major Garland Briggs from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Also, that woman always plays his wife in shows, too. Yeah. She oh, the a- lady, the secretary from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I, I like how they played that for laughs, but it's like actually like a pretty disturbing scene. Yeah. Like it. A devastating scenario. Well, yeah, because because yeah, because Dave Chappelle like gets left behind, like trying to mac on some some lady, and then like tries to make it back onto the plane, and like apparently makes it, but then freezes to death in the cargo hold, and then well, he gets yeah. sucked under the tires and it breaks his neck. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he I, is the reason why the landing gear won't go up. Oh, right, right. All, all Chappelle had to do is just basically tag along with that family <laughs> with the transponder in it. And and he would have gotten away. They did him dirty, man. They could have done so much more with Chappelle. Uh, biggest yeah, he was, he was great. He was great. They're all great. Everything about this movie is great. It's so weird to do a podcast where I talk about something that it was like 
fucking excellent, you know? I don't know. Yeah, but it's just, it's so much fun to talk about. Also, the fact when Chappelle felt the to earth, his his organs would pop out like a fucking slinky. They wouldn't be able to read Agent right. Larkin. Yeah, good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. But I, I still love the guy who kind of looks like... Um, he looks like a cartoon character of what a police officer looks like. He's like, Agent Larkin, there's a body oh. here. Yeah, what's how's that my problem? It has your name written all over it. Another classic one-liner. I also oh, But wasn't that supposed again. to be in New York City or something? Where where were they when that happened? Fresno. No, it, yeah, oh, Fresno. Fresno. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought okay, never mind. I take it back. I was I've like, never been Never I've never been to Fresno, but I didn't believe that's what Fresno looks like. I don't no. think so either. It's not I'm, like a huge metropolitan like area, is it? I'm pretty sure that was the same set they used for Armageddon when like Eddie Griffin at the beginning and all those asteroids are hitting it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the same met metropolitan area that they used. Yeah, it looked like a New York set. Yeah, it's just weird that they had like a southern cop being like, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't that's southern. That's exactly he had, what like, he sounded weird... like. <laughs> it is, yeah. He had a weird southern accent and just, you know, it was supposed to be like a bumbling doof. Is this well, that's like... the thing is that the cops also were not portrayed well in this movie. Like, they were shitheads. Like, everyone was both a shithead and also kind of redeemable. Except like, for except for Cusack, because he's read Dostoevsky. Yeah, I, I love when he's, he's a like, sociologist. <laughs> I love that line when he's like, Dostoevsky said that, fuck you, that's what Cyrus Grissom said before he killed my DEA agent. You don't fucking know that. How do you, he didn't say fuck you. You don't know that. Yeah, how would, you weren't there. You would have, you would have, uh, Took him in if that was the case. Also, that DEA agent, he he was so dumb. Be like Cameron Poe. Like Poe was playing it so cool. And that DEA agent was like, No, you get out here. Shut up. Nicholas Cage? <laughs> like yeah, I would say, like, Poe's coolness is improbable. Like, it is insane that this man is so cool and collected and calm and brave and badass and fucking, I don't know, it, like, it's, you know, it is, it is kind of silly, but it works. It works because it's Nicolas Cage and he has fucking charisma that is just electric and it, it doesn't matter. You just, yeah. you're along you know for the he, ride. Do you know we what have, he did when they were rolling? He has no flaws, though. A, a character with no flaws is a little bit boring, but he doesn't. he's not boring. He cares too much, but yeah, in that's, his flaw is like <laughs> literally what you say in a job interview when they ask you what your flaw is. I work too hard. Ah, uh, uh, talking cliches. Um. <laughs> I have an inconsistent accent, and now I'm gonna say toothpaste. Really, tube toothpaste. Tube toothpaste. Okay, so in between takes. When everyone was at lunch, apparently Nicolas Cage would be working out and doing push-ups and like chin-ups. Of course. <laughs> and getting jacked. He, he's fucking oh, yeah. out of his mind and he's an amazing actor. Like yeah. and any he makes anything worth watching. Like he's in terrible fucking movies. We we did do a Nicolas Cage. We were trying to do 24 hours of Nicolas Cage. We did 12 hours approximately of Nicolas Cage. And I believe we watched Con Air, but I was asleep for it or like very stoned and mostly <laughs> asleep. So I didn't remember. Um, but and we watched like, you know, The Wicker Man and we watched like all of these fucking movies that are in National Treasure. Like that shit is trash, but it's 
great when he's in it. Like he can make anything fucking watchable. Yeah. G-Force. I haven't talked about this on the, on the episode yet, but I love Nicholas Cage. Yeah. I, there are I so dedicated Nicolas... an entire month to him. <laughs> yeah. And there's no one more deserving, honestly. Like he has been such a force in cinema for as long as he's been around. He gets a lot of flack. He gets a lot of crap from critics and stuff. And like, I just don't get it. Like how much joy has he brought to us over the years? This also, movie, Face <laughs> Off, The, the Rock, uh, Raising Arizona, Vam- uh, A Vampire's Kiss, friggin' uh, uh, Kick-Ass, oh New Orleans, Kick-Ass, uh, like the li- Moonstruck, the list goes on. Like it's he's absurd. got like dozens of classics. Adaptation, for Christ's sakes. And every movie that it sucks that he's in is also a classic because he's in it. I watched, Ghost Rider, Drive I watched Angry. Um, the the movie that came out this year with him was really. Did you guys the the one that was the based color off of, of the, uh, the color? Yes, exactly. The, so yeah, the the color we were, from space, the color from out of out of space. The color of space. Oh, yeah, the Lovecraft movie. I really want to yeah. see that. It was fucking great. It was really great. I loved it, and it and primarily, I mean. Nicholas Cage is a little miscast as a father, like just in that mo- in that movie, because he's just like so fucking weird. But like, um, it's a great movie, like, and it's very, it's just another example. You just the hits keep on coming. Well, I went and saw Left Behind in theaters because I, I thought it was going to be hilarious, and Nicholas Cage was in it. It wasn't as funny as you want it to be, unfortunately. <laughs> and his approach to acting, he calls himself the California Klaus Kinski, and he like says his biggest influences are like 1920s German expressionist movies. Like he is like a total cinemaphile, uh, like freak. That's our Nicholas Kim Coppola. Yeah, that's right. And he's Coppola's son, right? Uh, Nephew. Nephew. But the, the crazy thing is we had to go through so many movies and, and narrow it down to we only usually do four episodes, but we're probably going to do five or six because there are just so many fucking great Nicolas Cage movies that we could pick from. You guys get to do like the, the height of the, the blockbuster years, but for his IRS years, the years that he has, had to pay back the IRS and made all of these movies, we're doing Mandy, and it was between Mandy and Color of Space. I loved Mandy. I, yeah, Mandy's I Mandy great. Too. It was amazing. I would say Mandy and Color of Space or Color Out of Space are both really similar in a lot of like very psychedelic, very fucking weird, um, and horrific and compelling. And it's both great, great double feature. Get a little spicy with it. Nicholas Cage is just, he can't fucking do anything wrong. Even when he does something wrong, it's, you just want to keep watching. I mean, he does plenty wrong in his personal life. Uh, he's had plenty of public meltdowns at like New Orleans restaurants and shit, but. Yeah. And, what, and didn't he go bankrupt and like bought himself a castle and. He bought an island. An island. He bought an island and, and then pay he taxes also. on anything. Yeah. He evaded taxes. So instead of going to prison, he decided to cut a deal with uh, the U.S. government and said he would make all of these shitty movies. Hey, and we're, we're the better for it. We are the better for it. But yeah. there's a scene in this movie where he literally runs the course of the entire airplane while people are shooting at him and gets one bullet wound and kills all of these people. Dude, if- he gets shot in the arm and does not flinch. It's the one of the coolest things I've seen. And he movie. has but the again, best line. 
Like, and, and, oh, sorry, you go ahead. Tell you, say well, the best line. I'm going to prove to you that God does exist. <laughs> God exists and his name is Nicolas Cage. It, it, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm a, I'm a cageist. I'm a cage head, seventh day. <laughs> the only bad thing I can say about Con Air is because of this movie, Kid Rock wrote American Badass, and he based it off of Cameron Poe. Let's discuss that. That's a real thing. That's uh, it. Makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, it I is, guess this is this movie is Kid Rock's favorite movie of all time. Can't blame him. I can't. I'm so I guess I like Kid Rock now. No, <laughs> just kidding. That's gonna what have be I done. Kid Rock is definitely gonna make it onto this season. We were Kid Rock is long overdue on the pod. Yeah, I saw him do? live. No, you I, didn't. When? I got. I How was he. Was I, this when Josie was still alive? Yeah. Was it with when he played with Limp Biscuit? No, Power Man Five Thousand. I got it for bar mitzvah. Uh, bar mitzvah gift. I got it as tickets. My friend got me that him and his mom took me and i was like oh cool kid rock this was like the height of ba 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 i'm yeah, jealous I, I was pump i was bumping uh devil without a cause hard in like sixth there was some, grade. there's some decent song i mean ba with the ba is a pretty it's so stupid but it's a, it's a pretty good song well yeah it was literally I, the day right before josie died oh and he was at, he was at the show was he no, sickly? he was sick. He was sick. They're like, Josie can't be here. He's having some medical problems. And then, like, the next day, Josie has passed away from the Kid Rock. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, that's so tragic. That's sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that makes sense, though, because it's not the only, like, effects Cage has had on, like, pop culture, like, other avenues of pop culture. Like, I know, like, Caster Troy, his character in, in Face Off, like, I've heard that character mentioned in uh, in rap songs. There's a rapper named Pastor Troy. Nice. Uh, and, uh, and, like, Jay-Z has a line, like, Caster Oil, I'll Caster Troy, you change your face, the bullets change all that for you. Like, <laughs> Cage sticks in your mind, man. You can't get him out. Oh, my He's God. He's an icon. He's an icon. The... This is like the film that I saw as a kid that I'm like, this guy might be my favorite actor. <laughs> like, because I saw this and then I saw Face Off and then I saw George of the Jungle. Um, but this was one movie that I begged my dad to see in theaters. I'm like, we have to see this in theaters. And my dad's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not debating you. Of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> and he pulled this all off with like a, a severely receding hairline. He was like the number one leading man. He was half bald. Oh, yeah. And and I feel like that's why Bruce I know. Willis. I I was it's it's fucking it's hot though. Like he fucking pulls it off hard. I was looking at my husband last night. I was like, yo, this would be a great costume. Like fucking, this is like sick Halloween. Like he could he could rock it because he's got the long hair, a little thin on top, long and like ready ready to go. But you gotta do the, you like gotta do the <laughs> you gotta do the the face touching like fresh air for the first time. The whole. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> what a shot. What a shot. Oh, yeah. The, yeah just... wind, the wind blowing his hair as he steps off the plane. The two best faces he makes are that face. And then also when the hijacking first starts, when he's making like the flat face emoji, just like the like 
Yeah. <laughs> he knows that things are going very wrong. Yeah. He's so expressive. It's so magnetic. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a good film. Also it's such when, a good film. when Chappelle pulls the, the gasoline out of his mouth and he just does the shh, like, I was like, Oh God. <laughs> and then he sets the guy on fire. Yeah. That was, yeah. It's a good, that was a good scene. Too. Well, also normally, in a in a prison setting like that, they would just put him in like another empty chair and lock him into place. What if that's what they did and like the movie just didn't happen? And then for two hours we just watched a bunch of convicts just fly to their destination. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets to see his wife and we hear, How do I how is this the theme song to this movie? Like, is it? It's Leanne Rhymes. I completely. Yeah, this was the theme song to the movie. It was nominated for an Oscar. This movie was nominated for two Oscars. What what categories? Sound sound effects and best song. All right. Diane Warren wrote this song. What a Diane Warren from Wait, Diane Warren who also wrote all those fucking um Aerosmith wrote, songs? Yeah, don't want to miss a thing. Uh, okay, and, yep. I and see that. Okay, okay. Follows the blueprint. Yep. Um Scott, I want to talk about what we were talking about before we started recording. Yeah, you and the I have the same thoughts. <laughs> yeah. This movie feels like like if Forrest Gump basically didn't do good the way he thought he was, <laughs> like him and Bubba go to prison. See, for me, I kind of feel like this is like Forrest. This movie is Forrest Gump's um, Jacob's Ladder Death Dream, or it's like Forrest Gump is the first half of Lost Highway, and this movie this is, is the, the second, second half, half of Lost Highway. Where like Forrest Gump, like. Because the movie starts in Far- Alabama. Forrest Gump is from Alabama. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Cameron Poe clearly arrives on a shrimping boat when he when when he gets back to his wife. He's on a shrimping boat. He's on a shrimping boat. His blonde wife and blonde daughter, uh, who he's been estranged from for years. Um, his friend, played by the same actor as Bubba, he cradles him in his arms as he's dying, just like and, does. and the really fucked up part is Dave Chappelle turned down the role of Bubba and Forrest Gump. So like you have both actors who could have been in that movie. Yeah, and they're just they're just there. And it's like uh like this is like this is Forrest Gump's purgatory, this movie. Like this is him experiencing purgatory. <laughs> I'm like... a hero now, Lieutenant Diane. <laughs> Oh, and he paralyzes a guy that he kills Billy Bedlam, um, like right right in the back where where Lieutenant Dan was shot. Yep, it's, it's the parallels are uncountable. There's it, it's it's crazy. It's such a it's such a weird uh, when when connection. when when John Lennon shows up on the Dick Cavett show with him. That's so weird too. <laughs> I've never seen Forrest Gump. It's another movie I didn't see. Missed out. Missed out. Well, you know, I don't think you gotta see it. It's just, (laughs) it's, it's crazy that we thought that same thing. That basically, this is Forrest Gump as an action hero. 
Yeah. Um, can we talk about? But when, I think when, that it's isn't it more like self aware though than like Forrest? I like, don't think like, so. No, no like, Forrest Gump's very self aware. Oh really? I, yeah. I didn't see the movie, so I don't. Know. I don't know. Never mind. Well, <laughs> I th- one of the last things I want to talk about, um, unless there's anything that you guys want to talk about, when he meets uh, Cusack for the first time, he's like, "I got your message." He's like, "Uh huh." <laughs> Like, he's so unimpressed that the man that he was trying to get to help him shows up to help him. You're Cameron Poe. That's right. I'm Larkin. Hello, Larkin. I got your message. Where are the troops? They'll be here. They'll be here. Uh Uh-huh. In a minute. Listen, Poe. Can I lower this? Go ahead. You gonna lower yours? Sorry, boss. But there's only two men I trust. One of them's me, the other's not you. Yeah, very nonchalant. And that's Forrest Gumpy sort of way. Yeah, you know? and then we get another great line. I only trust two men. One of them's me and the other one's not you. I love that line. It's a great I line. Love that line. Yeah, it's but it. then then you realize the, the other person he trusts is Baby O, and that man is a convict. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you gotta you gotta stand by your friends. I think that's what the movie's all about. <laughs> What if Definitely. the way he learned to trust Baby O is he's like, this man has diabetes, but he let me give him a snowball. I trust this guy now. <laughs> 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 he's going to die and it's all my fault. Oh, also, how great would have it been if at the end of the movie they're like, Poe, you're going back to prison. <laughs> you killed all of these men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, I mean, you'd think there would at least be some sort of investigation before they just let him walk away. Well, how how great would have it been if, like, you find out he's now going to get a job in the marshal's office and him and Cusack are going to solve crimes? Well, that's the interesting thing is that, like, Nicolas Cage, even though he's been done so dirty by the—or or Poe, Cameron Poe, even though he's been done so dirty by the— um, You can say Nicolas Cage. justice system— <laughs> Uh, he still loves cops, you know? He oh, let, yeah, they, he still loves the law and respects it. Yeah. But I want to know what's going to happen to Cameron Poe after this. Is he going to end up, you know, destitute? Or is he going to get a job working with Cusack? It's a shame we never got the sequel. It's a shame we never got Con Boat. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you back on my boat? I told you to put the bunny back in the box. (laughs) She performed that at the Oscars. 14-year-old Leanne Rimes performed How Do I Live? And they had, like, scenes from Con Air playing as she's doing it. (laughs) And, like, the look on all of these actors' faces are like, is this the the right movie? Like... (laughs) Because it doesn't feel like the song that should be play- be playing. Like You need, like a, I hate to say it, but like a Kid Rock or like an Aerosmith badass like anthem song. And then you have How Do I Live Without You. Well, the theme well there are the a lot of bitchin' guitar riffs throughout the movie, though. There's a lot of like... Yeah, like, like Last Action Hero, like those great Last Action Hero riffs. Yeah. I, I still... I still don't understand how Cyrus didn't know that he was going to get ripped off by by Sandino. Um, and that that plane you'd think that, he'd be more shrewd. Also, that that plane that Sandino had that was a tiny plane. 
it wasn't a very strongly conceived plan, but I still, I'm kind of impressed by it because they were able to coordinate it across two different prisons across the country from each other, which I still don't understand how they pulled off. Pen pals. <laughs> yeah. But like, don't, like they intercept those letters. You well, know? Like, remember it was all written in a different language and he had to use the cipher that he made out of the, the Last Supper photo? That's right. There was a very cool cipher. Uh, there's a very cool like Bomb the American too. style uh, spy shit. I love, it, it's great that they they, they they threw so many different genres in here. Little spy, spy elements. Well, little... They stole from Mission Impossible the bomb that, that, Cyrus had that he made that was red light green light from Mission Impossible when the two things also I love Cusack's face I don't know why Cusack hates this movie so much I don't understand he's got bad taste (laughs) well high fidelity is good (laughs) that's what I said I was like oh John Cusack like I don't know I was excited to see him I thought he I think he I I got shamed for thinking he was kind of cute Dunn said he has a weak chin yeah, okay. I don't. I don't think he's that attractive. I don't. He's not like a really attractive. But I was saying he's like weird attractive, like fucking Nicholas Cage. You know. Well, who wants to hear the craziest thing that happened on the set of this movie? Oh, me. Me. Danny Trejo, a man who in real life has been to prison, and also owns a cupcake company, I believe, at this point. and a restaurant, and he also visits kids in the hospital and gives them toys. He's a sweetie poo. He was scared of one actor on this set. Guess who it was? Uh, John Malkovich? Cusack. Cusack. John Cusack is a man... He was a dick. No, John Cusack is... He he isn't professional, but he kickboxes. After Say Anything, he learned how to kickbox. He, He fights and he does, like, MMA and, like... He said, "There's just something about John Cusack behind the eyes, man. Like, like there's something in there." That doesn't surprise me. That yeah, there's something weird behind those eyes. <laughs> there's something weird behind Nick Cage's eyes. That's maybe what makes them so goddamn magnetic. Well, Heather, Nicholas just so you know, Ca- we're getting your computer audio, not the mic audio. All right. Well, you know, it is what it is. It's my. It might be what it. What it is. All right. You're back. Okay, sorry. Well, Cusack, um, I mean, Nicolas Cage, Mike and I were talking about this. Do you know who his best friend is? Nicolas Cage's best friend? Yeah. No. Jim Carrey. That also tracks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jim Carrey. Yeah, he, he tried to get Jim Carrey to be Garland Green in this. Huh? I would have loved that. I would have loved that too, but we wouldn't have gotten Liar Liar. Or we would have got Liar Liar with uh, Steve, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. <laughs> the circle of life. The circle of 90s movies. It's great. Did anyone else want to see a Garland Green spinoff movie? Like, just see what he does. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Garland Green sequel. Him, like, Garland Green, like, just make rounders, but, like, with Garland Green as... Uh, or or like at pupil where like he doesn't want to be a serial killer anymore and like a kid's like i know what you did and like he gets back into the life yeah and, like, i never handle. saw at pupil is that a good one no <laughs> <laughs> no all right good to know that's my john mulaney moment for the episode no 
<laughs> um, so, guys, as we reach the end of the movie, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into bagels? Let me go over my notes and just see if there's anything I neglected to mention. Anything important that, that bears mentioning here. Um, my ties and Yahtzees. Oh, uh, one last one last classic one-liner that I think we need to touch on, people need to know about, is when uh, um, the unnamed, like, blonde big guy uh, is, like, arguing with uh, Cyrus the virus, and he says, Cy, and Anara. Cyrus goes, Anara, and then kills him. <laughs> Sandino, yeah. Yeah, that's it was Sandino. Sorry, I thought it was the the, the blonde uh, Dolph Lundgren looking guy. That's yeah. great. Yeah, because I love how pathetic he looks crawling out of the thing. I also love that it's Cusack is the reason why his plane doesn't take off. Yeah, Cusack is the, responsible for the deaths of many people in this movie, and he doesn't even realize it. He's a hero. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the- how could he not love being in this movie? He gets to be on a motorcycle at the end. Him and him and Nicolas Cage, two men who look like they just got into a fight over a polo shirt. <laughs> <laughs> like, just go into town on these motorcycles. This movie is just chef's kiss amazing. It's a great American fantasy. Like, action thriller. Like, it's, it's fucking... You know, it's explosion. It's the 4th of July. It's fucking, you know, it's just, it's over the top ridiculousness, uh, absurdity, like times a thousand in a very like American way. There's literally one note I took that I did not get to here. And that is that I appreciated that in the fight scene, um, uh, in the underbelly undercarriage of the plane, um, which is awesome. They're like fighting with this low ceiling. Like, that was tumbling. very cool. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's Nicholas Cage, and I believe that's him. He's fighting. Uh, what's his Billy face? Bedlam. Billy Bedlam. Yeah, uh, and he kills Billy Bedlam in exactly the same way that Arnold Schwarzenegger kills Bennett in Commando. Yeah, uh, and they both say a dope one-liner right after they do it. Uh, <laughs> Why didn't you put the bonnet back in the box? Yeah. It, it, which I think it's it's not quite as good as let off some steam Bennett, but it's pretty good. <laughs> also, and the only thing that makes Commando better than Conair is that if Conair had Nicolas Cage jump on an elevator and ride it all the way up, that would have made Conair just a tiny bit better. <laughs> if only they could have somehow figure out a way to get an elevator on that plane. Yeah, if I only know. we had 17 explosions, then <laughs> just did, keep it coming. <laughs> I did love his interaction with the old guy and he's like, I need a syringe. Aw, oh, son, drugs will destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, yeah. But yeah, so as we get to the end of this, how many bagels do you give this? You have a bagel basket, baker's dozen, how many are left in it? Give them all the bagels. Give them all the bagels. Take my bagels. Take my carbs. Take my schmears. Take it all. You deserve it all and then some. 13. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. There's really the only critique I had, like I said, is that, you know, there's it's still lacking in any sort of like female protagonist. So like maybe like take like a bite out of one of the bagels. But like it's fine. It's it's great. It's not just fine. It's great. It's American exceptionalism. And I'm fucking here for it. God damn it. <laughs> Mike? Yeah. Solid. 
Uh, I'm going to give the movie a dozen bagels and one bagel bite. Uh, ju- I, I think it's, it's just, it's right on the cusp. I'm only docking it a portion of a bagel um, because I feel like they underutilized Dave Chappelle. Um, that's the, the one real flaw of the movie. Other than that, it's uh, a classic. Well, I'm giving it 12 because I don't get enough Steve Buscemi in this movie. That's Steve, fair. I yeah. want it. I needed I a little sequel. more garland green. Yeah, we need the sequel. Just how polite he is, and like his his entire speech that he gave about Billy Bedlam, his mother held him too much, didn't hold him enough. Like that speech is amazing. It is. It is great. He. he yeah. His. Never mind. I'm gonna take. I retract my statement. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. It's a great movie. So, her- do you guys want to promote anything? Um, well, we're on hiatus for the summer, so we'll go ahead and promote all of our other 72 or three episodes of our podcast, uh, Make It Stop, a bad music podcast where we talk about atrocious, uh, terrible things that shouldn't exist, so the opposite of what we talked about today. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we just we just finished up. We just did our two our season finale just released with uh, – our friends uh, Tookie Cavanaugh and Dickie Stock, and uh, we did the Corey Feldman Angelic to the Core. Um, it was fucking insane. I am a worse person, a different person, and a worse person for it. Uh, so we had to do some recuperation for the next couple couple months. But we'll be back in September. Uh, we're gonna do like some sort of a clip show of some kind. So you know, maybe look out for that. I was thinking maybe Mike Dunn, we could do another. Um, another Thunderdome of some maybe per per chance of me and you, a special edition where we defend uh, an album that other people think is trash that we think is, is good. Um, But yeah, so you can find us uh, anywhere you get your podcasts and um, make it stop podcast.com. Send us an email, you know, do those things. Oh, and you can go to adamandeve.com and use keyword bad music at checkout so that we can make enough dildo dollars to get Corey Feldman to do a cameo for the season four premiere. So we'll see how that campaign goes. I got to check my dildo dollar amounts, but you know, what else are you doing? We don't, we don't get promotions from Adam and Eve. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I think we just didn't add read for our show on the big box. Big <laughs> basket. Cut it out. I don't know. You can cut it out. I don't Give have me the any dildo of, dollars. <laughs> I don't have any of those dollars. I'm sorry. We don't have many of them. The last I checked, we made 1375 in dildo dollars. So we gotta we gotta get an update. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm used to promoting that every now, all all the time, reflexively. So, I don't have sponsors. <laughs> no, I'm it took sad. us a long time. Yeah. It took us you a have, long time. You have integrity. You have integrity and and friendship. <laughs> uh, I yeah. I literally tried to cut a deal with Brugger's Bagels, and they're like, "Oh, well, um, no." <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive that you tr- you tr- like reached out though that's oh yeah i tried to get be like, a go-getter. bagel companies <laughs> i love that <laughs> get like a get like a local bag- there's bagel saurus in cambridge they're delicious um bagel but- world bagel town oh i went to bagel bagel world in um 
Yeah, Redding. Peabody or something. Reading. Yeah, yeah. I was there like two days ago. It was really. It was a fucking big bagel. <gasps> what if I tried every bagel place in Massachusetts? They kept saying no. Oh, <laughs> it's just like dirty work I'm where sorry. you just see me getting thrown out. Like they're picking me. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife just walks out plainly. <laughs> We'll give you a dildo dollar percentage if we make any. <laughs> yeah, anything we make yeah. off of this like little place that yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. My wife cut. opens the mail. Why did you get seventy three cents? And why does it say dildo, <laughs> dildo. dollar? <laughs> 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 you don't want to know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is really fun though. I, yeah, I appreciate I do you guys like- coming on. I talk. I like talking about things that I enjoy. Sometimes, you know, it's really a nice, refreshing shift. This was well, great. I, I was so glad to see that that Conair holds up. You know, I hadn't so seen it does. since I was a kid. I loved it when I was a kid, and usually, like most of the movies I've seen that I loved when I was ten, as an adult, uh, have not held up in the slightest. So this was a, a refreshing uh, surprise. Yeah, I just rewatched Blast from the Past, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so um we i have another podcast called hell is a musical you can check that out on the zero science network i'm still staying here on my own no, not network <laughs> um but yeah you can follow us on twitter instagram facebook people please like the facebook i have tons of hits on instagram and and in twitter but no one likes the facebook page <laughs> um and then also you can uh check out for the rest of the month our next movie we're doing is city of angels so you can watch that on i think voodoo great if you have hbo movie great movie the only reason why i picked city of angels is so i can talk about the soundtrack oh yeah that soundtrack it, is insane isn't it <laughs> who is on that soundtrack it's the Goo Goo Dolls. Dolls. Oh yeah, that's uninvited right. by Alanis Morissette. Oh, you too. Um, there's a bunch of other ones. I think the Dandy Warhols are on there. Oh, so it's a fucking sick soundtrack. It's an amazing soundtrack. How's it compared to the Batman Forever soundtrack? Well, it's that not prob- Come It's on. not that's problematic. Prince. It's not Prince. The bat. The you said the Batman Forever soundtrack. Yeah, Batman Forever has like it's Seal, U two, Flaming Lips, U yeah, two Seal. Yeah, Batman and Robin's the problematic one. Wait, right. isn't Prince? Didn't Prince do that? The first Batman or movie. Prince did the first Batman. Oh, movie. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't anything that Prince does. Seal perfect, did so. Batman Forever. Right. So oh, yeah. yeah, and R. Kelly did Batman and Robin. That's what you're uh, referring to. I had to yes. think about it for a little bit. Well, That's and right. the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, yeah. And Jewel. Beginning is the end of the beginning. And Jewel did Foolish Games. So, yeah. Um, thank you guys so much again for doing this. Yeah. Thank you for having us. I, right. I'm, I'm such, it's, it's such a bummer that we can't just like perpetually be texting for another like year and a half about when we're going to get together and do this <laughs> episode. <laughs> but maybe we could do that for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you want to do The Greatest Showman? Oh, wait, you're out of town? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that I don't know how y'all do. Like, it's hard, like producing a podcast, hosting a podcast, producing it. And I do all the editing, as I'm sure you do all the editing. Like, yep. it's a lot of fucking work. It's a lot of fucking work and like in the pandemic like you know you have a little bit more time but we're uh 
yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's a lot. Yeah, I have this. uh, Lils and I take turns on Hell is a Musical. Uh, Chris did all of the work for Urkel when we did the Urkel podcast, like miniseries. You did an Urkel podcast? It was, yeah, it was on Zero Science. It was Where in the World is Stephen Quincy Urkel that you can still find on Zero Science. And we did all the times Urkel crossed over with other shows. And he just randomly would show up. That's excellent. That's awesome. I would love, I'd love to do the Newsies episode too of the Hell is a Musical. So let me oh, know. We had a really fun first. time. Yeah, we, we had a fun time. Well, me and Lils did the episode on cats. We did, uh, we did like a, a little one-off pandemic cast about cats, the musical. And that was quite, quite an experience. <laughs> well, at this point, by time this comes out, our second episode of Hell is a Musical will be out. And that's Grease. That was a nightmare. <laughs> we we've done three so far. Um, I'm not gonna tease the the third one, but okay. But uh, I'll tell you off air. But yeah. So until next time, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Yay. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.